Hello, Hivians. Today's episode of The Wretched Hive is brought to you by Audible.com. That's right, Lisa. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at... (laughs) Sorry! (laughs) I said child. (laughs) That's right, Lisa. Get a free audiobook download. (laughs) Stop it! No, no. Shut up! Today's episode of The Wretched Hive is brought to you by Audible.com. Today's <laughs> That's right, Lisa. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash hive. That's H-I-V-E. That's right, Christine. Over 180,000 yeah. titles, titles to choose from on your iPhone, Android, yeah, Kindle, baby. or M3... <laughs> over 180,000 titles to choose from from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. We have a second live-action Star Wars television show starting soon. Announced. It's official. And we're going to tell you all about it this week because you have found the Wretched Hive Podcast for Friday, November 23rd. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanksgiving week. There you go. There's our turkeys. We are fired up to eat some gobblers this week. We probably already did yesterday because the show is dropping Friday. Happy Thanksgiving to all of the Hyvians out there in Star Wars land. My name is Steve Baldwin and the entire cast of the Wretched Hive is joining me tonight. Let's start it off as always with the Wookiee co-pilot, Greg Lent. Good God, Stevie B, it's so good to be here again. I barely survived out the week because mm. I've been fighting tooth and nail against dirty, dirty Russian hackers. Russian hackers, you bastards. Russian hackers have invaded, what, the Lent house or the Lent workplace? No, the Lent, the, uh, the Lent workplace, unfortunately. Uh, uh, my uh. network has been hijacked, and I'm fiercely fighting for my life to acquire my data back from those thieving, dirty commie stooges oh, I'm it, it it's either Russians or it could be Bob Iger Bob Iger it's one oh, of those little two. bastard one of that those. guy <laughs> maybe Bob Iger is Russian Bob Iger I don't know uh, also on the show tonight he is a life long Star Wars fan Evansky oh thank you Steve I am back after a little hiatus. Welcome and, back, uh, dude. Thank you. It was weird. I last week was weird. Yeah, without you being here, I gotta admit it was, it was even it, weirder than it was two weeks ago. <laughs> that it, Why do I always say that? It was like a Twilight know. Zone. It's it just it skipped a week. They're, they're, yeah. You're having a blackout moment, mm. uh, which I happen happens often. It's a me. flashback from the Last Jedi that I'm having. I I got to tell you, I'm kind of excited right now. I don't sound like it, but uh, it is the 20th anniversary. Ooh. Of the debut of the Phantom Menace trailer. 
That's huge. And I'm celebrating. We are going to cover that story a little bit later today. I mean, you well, brought some toys to celebrate, I see. I got some, I got some uh, Collector Corner talk to talk tonight Very fun. about. It, it's that. also the 40th anniversary of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, it is. Man, that is correct. That. That's huge. Did Last you... episode was our special Life Day episode, Scott. You missed that. You'll have to go back mm. and give it a listen. Oh. And Scott, Ryan Johnson said <laughs> that Luke Skywalker... In the Last Jedi is 100% consistent with the original trilogy, Luke Skywalker. Don't even get me started. <laughs> and, and Don't. he's right. And he's wait, right. Even... Wait, quick, quick Star Wars choices just for Scott. Pick one. <laughs> well, you want to do Star Wars choices right now? No, no, no. Just, just, no, no, uh, no, all right, no, okay. just, just a bonus. Just quick choice for you, you only, Scott. Uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi or Star Wars The Holiday Special? Oh, Holiday Ooh. Special, uh, no problem. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, dude. It is Wookie porn, people. Oh. Wookie porn. Okay. <laughs> also on the show tonight, here's the captain <laughs> of the Nico Rodriguez. Welcome to the very special Thankful Hive episode of the Wretched Hive podcast, everybody. The thankful hive. He sounded like he had to climb over some boxes to get to his microphone. <laughs> I actually fell over the boxes on my way to the mic. Oh. Oh, man. Yeah, the thankful the hive. I like a- that. Action pose, leap across the room to get to the microphone. <laughs> oh. I'll have you know it was a superhero landing. Oh, or it's the re- the wretched thanks. I'm not sure. One of the two. Oh. Hard on the knees, that landing is. And finally! This is the Nick Winter Show, and I do the entertaining. We have... Star Wars! (laughs) Dave! Nothing but Star Wars! Under no circumstances. Should you ever... And hey, how about that nutty Star Wars bar? <laughs> and I mean... Can you forget all the creatures in there? Ah! Hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask. Call him. Did he scare you as much as he scared me? <laughs> Harry. Star Wars! Potter! <laughs> well done. Truer words were never spoken. Oh. My God, Steve, how do your neighbors not call the cops on you? Because the volume level just keeps increasing and increasing uh, with every introduction. I what? Anyway, what? I, know. I can't hear I, you. I'm what? a yeller. I know. <laughs> I'm a screamer. That's what she said. Hell. That's what she said. <laughs> Anyway, to everybody out there listening, good afternoon, good morning, good evening to you wherever, whenever, however you are listening. Happy, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Hope you are having safe travels. Hope you are having lots of turkey, lots of football, lots of fun and relaxation. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. And I, this is a holiday season that's a little different from the last couple of ones. This thought just kind of occurred to me over the last day or two. This is the first time in the last four years that we do not have a Star Wars movie to officially count down and look forward to as kind of the climactic ending of our holiday season. Very true. And but, we, but we do have a Mary Poppins movie this year. We, yes, yes. Let's, <laughs> let's keep the glass half full you know, so the spoonful of sugar can help that medicine go down. But what are we going to do after Episode Nine? Because I am kind Nine. of feeling – I am kind of feeling like – 
Lucasfilm is moving more towards TV and streaming and that as the entertainment future as opposed to you know churning out regular movies every year for us to enjoy it at holiday time. So we're I'm just kind of taking this pause and I'm curious what are we going to do after episode 9? Well, uh, may I, guys? May I? Please. Yeah. Please. So, obviously, there's now uh, three live-action shows in development, or just two? two? We've got two official. We've got The two Mandalorian and, and Cassian Andor. Okay, and then there, which is in, in details yet to come. Right. Um, and then there is also the, the cartoon Resistance, which is ongoing on the Disney XD channel, which I have not yep. watched a single episode of yet. But um, there's the the... Benioff and Weiss, Game of Thrones guys. There's their, their, their Star Wars their trilogy, movies, and right. there is the Ryan Johnson trilogy that's coming out. I would assume sometime after nine, they will will see some information fleshed out. I would think so. I think we're going to have plenty to talk about. I mean, didn't they have like ten years of Star Wars movies mapped out one time? At one point, we we mapped that out. Yeah, I think they so. did, and and then Solo happened. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Thanks, Solo. I, I just mean there's a there's a difference between to me like looking at Star Wars post 2019 and looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe 2019 because yeah. we we know there are movies coming out after Avengers uh, four or Avengers Infinity War Part two, whatever you want to call it. We know there's stuff coming out, even if they haven't formally announced all of it or given us all the scheduling details. Star Wars. It's just crickets right now, and I I really looked forward to it. I, I kind of just realized, like, oh, my God, I, I don't have a Star Wars movie to look forward to spending Christmas with this year. Yeah. And that's, I, that's a weird feeling. I, I got to jump in on this because the whole Han Solo thing, we debated this and talked about it and just beat it to death. But it really did affect that schedule. I really yeah. feel like they just threw everything out there and just said, let's just stop. Let's just – yeah. Mean, Hi, hindsight, hindsight being twenty twenty. I mean, I think the you know we we can all say that the bigot that uh, you know while while most of us like the movie, there well, a couple of us didn't like the movie, but while most of us like think like the movie, um, it really it really hurts that they rushed it out to make that May release and didn't just sit back and just push it to December. I mean, yeah, okay, but but the failure, if you want to call that quote unquote of of Solo, didn't impact the fact that we don't have a movie this winter. That well, if they would have pushed but... it back, if they would have pushed it back to December, because it came out oh, this past gotcha, May, if gotcha. they would have pushed oh, right. it back, it would Sorry. be in December, and, and then nine would be next year. Nine, yeah. which nine. which would have given them enough time to maybe work out some of those. I think a lot of us agreed that this was a, a really fun movie. I know there were some you know obvious issues with some of us on it, but mm-hmm. if it would have just given them a little bit more time alleviate even even if they change nothing or just one tiny thing it could have given them a chance to kind of give the pr a back like a boost bring it back get it a little bit more hyped up there was too much negativity going into it we all talk about it was wasn't a failure in the sense that it was a likable film right but again we're not the people we're not the the, the ones pulling in the money counting all that money they're the ones going <laughs> you know what 200 just over 200 million dollars is a failure yeah, I hate saying that, and I agree with what we've talked about in the past. But that is a failure to somebody like Disney, where Force Awakens makes what two over two billion dollars worldwide. Solo yeah. didn't even pull in half a billion dollars. Okay, but we're veering off. We're veering off of the problem here. Dave has a problem. What is he going to watch over the Christmas holiday this year? The holiday special, obviously. There you go. 
the I holiday agree. special. But I, the other the well, other challenge the other challenge, and I I forgot about this. I'm sorry. This is what happens when I'm trying to do it extemporaneously while enjoying a nice uh, refreshing Blue Moon beer. There you go. The, the holiday schedule is right now already pretty set for Disney for some of the post 2019 years because. They just acquired Fox, and with Fox, they acquired a lot of blue kitty cat movies that are scheduled to come out around the holiday time. The Avatar sequels are supposed to come out. Yeah. Right in that time frame. And they're not going to load up Star Wars versus Avatar, and I don't know that you're going to move Avatar out of those time slots, out of those scheduling slots. Right. Yeah, that that was a good marketing move for them. However, wouldn't, wouldn't Disney then... If they were planning on changing up their Star Wars schedule, start adding in stuff, maybe some surprise stuff we haven't heard about. Maybe they're actually trying to keep things on the on the down low right now, but maybe they could be reshuffling their schedule. And but, but I think that's kind of what they're doing. They're coming out with Cassian Andor. Yeah. They've got the current uh, animated show that's out right now that I still haven't watched. Like Greg, Resistance, totally, Resistance, yeah, yeah, Star Wars Resistance, which looks super you know, cool, and I was geeked for, but I just haven't had time. You know, to watch and it. they and they have officially said that any plans for the Boba Fett movie are now dead and I'm sure I'm I'm assuming all the plans for that whatever that movie was going to be have been folded into and made a part of the Mandalorian TV show as well but but they've come out and flat out said that there's not going to be any type of Boba Fett movie right which yeah which makes sense if you're doing the Mandalorian as a TV show you're just you're cannibalizing your audience at that point yeah Exactly. exactly well if you've ever churned something out on a regular basis, hey <laughs> give us a call. Let us know how that went on the Wretched Hive Hotline. So dirty. 562-455-4... Uh, sorry, that's 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. That's H-I-V-E. In case you can't spell hive. You goddamn right. And you can also look us up on the wretchedhive.net at facebook.com forward slash wretchedhivepodcast on Twitter at wretchedhivepod. And uh, you can always email the show, show at wretchedhive.net. Don't forget to download the Wretched app on the Apple App Store. And um, leave us an iTunes review. Those really, really help us a lot. We very much appreciate those that do that. Now, last week, guys... Actually, two weeks ago. Thank you, Greg, for not correcting me before I corrected myself. We I ran, two weeks ago. In uh, case you can't tell, time. <laughs> you goddamn right. Uh, too many podcasts going on. I don't know when we record what. Um, I ran a little mini contest, and I threw it out to our listeners. I said, "Look, I want to get to twenty reviews. If we get to twenty reviews, I will pick a random listener to receive an autographed pack of trading cards." From Rancho Obi Wan, so I have an update on that contest. Oh, the got... second place prize is, of course, some of the used pork hair off of the pork <laughs> doll. <laughs> we got one additional review, guys. We did get one more review, so I'm very, Are very. Are you kidding happy. me right now? We got one. We got. That's one. awesome. Yeah, we got one. The title of the review is: This podcast is huge. <laughs> and uh, it's from Alter Boy. So Alter Boy gave us five stars. Thank you, Alter Boy. Thank you, Alter Boy. And he, uh, Alter Boy writes. It's, it's not the first time Greg said that. <laughs> Easy oh. now. Easy now. <laughs> okay, what's the time signature on the 1543? <laughs> Oh my. Alter Boy <laughs> writes. Killing himself right now. Killing himself. <laughs> 
Oh my god, you all were thinking it. I was just the one with the balls to say it. <laughs> Alter Boy writes. I don't know. <laughs> he writes, feeling pretty, or she writes, feeling pretty good about being the 14th contributor to the review. So clearly he heard and, and reached out uh, to be part of the contest. I really have enjoyed listening to this podcast. As a person who has a fairly long commute, it's pretty important to have something to entertain you. This is the show if you're a Star Wars fan. The discussions take on all perspectives. These podcasters love to laugh, and I tend to be grinning whenever I listen. Ah. So, Alter Boy, thanks very much. The Force is definitely with you. Very nice. You know what? That is very complimentary, and I love to hear that because... For me, the show is just about getting to shoot the shit with you guys, yeah. and I enjoy putting the show on, but I mean, I I enjoy spending time with you guys, so I'm glad that somebody else appreciates that like I do. So thanks very much, Alter Boy. Very yeah, nice. Absolutely. Yeah. We're very thankful for your review, Alter Boy, and because you are the only additional reviewer, Alter Boy, you just won yourself an autographed copy of the... Full set of trading cards from Rancho Obi Wan. Congratulations! Ah, nice. So you can awesome. send those to me, Steve, because I am Alter Boy. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> so Alter Boy, uh, you need to reach out to me through iTunes. Direct message me. I will know if it's you or not, Alter Boy. And so send me a message, and I will. We will talk, and I will get your address, and we will get these to you. Okay. So great. Do it. I am. I am wondering if Alter Boy is not a reference to the classic Kurt Busiek. Astro City story, Confession, because Alter Boy was one of the characters in that story. I say we go with that. Yeah. Well done, sir. Wow. Yeah, good pull. Good pull. All right, uh, before we get to the news, guys, uh, just want to give a, another quick shout-out. Uh, if you didn't catch our the last episode in our feed, I did yes, an interview yes. with Matthew Jacobs who is a retired Air Force vet. He unfortunately lost his home in the fire that swept through Northern California. The town of Paradise was utterly destroyed, and his home was one of those that literally burned to the ground. He shared on the podcast that, during our interview that there was one item that was left. It was like a, some sort of a porcelain little trinket that didn't burn, and that's uh. all that was left. Now, Matthew also mentioned that he's grateful that he has a steady job and he's got a good income and he's got lots of resources, big family to help him out. Uh, But there are many others from Paradise that lost everything that don't have those resources. And so his Air Force buddies set up a GoFundMe account Hmm. to uh, support Matthew. And what Matthew's going to do with with those funds is he's going to use 75% of the funds that are raised to give to needy families that he knows are in need that lost everything. So go to the Facebook page, click on his GoFundMe account. Even if you can just give a dollar or $5, whatever you can give, Matthew and I connected online. You can listen to our interview and he's the real deal. So let's, let's step up as a star Wars podcast family here and, and help Matthew help Matthew help paradise residents that are really, really living day to day right now. So also want to give out a quick shout out to the first responders, yeah. the brave men and women that are marching into a fire zone to help protect homes and to put out fires all over the state of California. 
We uh, this podcast emanates from Long Beach. There's fires happening in LA County at this very moment. Yeah. People are being affected. The air quality is terrible. So hats off to you, first responders. Much, much, much respect, and may the force be with all of you. Well said. Well said. Uh, the devastation is just shocking. It is just, shocking. I, if you just Google uh, Paradise, California, yeah. after pictures, it's it's like a war zone. It's And I, I don't want to use that in, in an inappropriate way, but it literally looks like, if you look at pictures of like European cities that were bombed yeah. during the war that are just flat oh, with some chimneys standing there, that's what Paradise looks yeah. like. It's incredible. Yeah, like 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 those cities that were because I, I I've seen pictures like that. They're cities that just they're not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because they were they were that wiped out in the bombing. Yeah. Or and there's you, a church and everything else is flattened. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just it's all awful. you see is just the devastation, the 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 shapes of the foundations of the houses and just the yeah. scorched uh, landscape. And so ter- this this terrible. week especially being Thanksgiving week. Yeah. You know you see stuff like that and it just makes you thankful for what what you have. And so we want to be able to share what we have with the good citizens of Paradise, California, with our uh, our man on, uh, man on the scene there, Matthew Jacobs, yeah. uh, spreading the Star Wars love and spreading the um, humanity and the good vibes uh, up around Paradise, California and to the residents that need it. And we want to be able to help him. Matthew, you're doing a great job up there. So listeners, step up and uh, go to our Facebook page, find the link. Give a couple bucks to Matthew so that he can help people that need it. Will do, Steve. All right. All right. Let's get into the news, guys. From ABC News World Headquarters, this is ABC World News Tonight. No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the Wretched Hive. So be it. Well, guys, we lost a very, very a couple of very, very uh, influential, to say the least, uh, celebrities this past week. Uh, at least one of them. Well, both of them are highly influential for uh, stuff that we talk about on this show. We're going to start with the passing of Stan Lee. Stan Lee, of course, the genius behind Marvel Comics. Uh, I'm reading from HollywoodReporter.com. The real-life superhero of Marvel Comics passed away at 95. Uh, Stan Lee, the legendary writer, editor, and publisher of Marvel Comics, whose fantabulous but flawed creations made him a real-life superhero to comic book lovers everywhere, died at 55. He began in the business, guys, in 1939. He created or co-created Black Panther, excuse me, Black Panther, Spider-Man, the X-Men, Thor, Iron Man, the Fantastic Four, the Incredible Hulk, Daredevil, Ant-Man. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, he's he's just a legend in Hollywood and certainly created a genre that a lot of us on this show grew up on and influenced us in a huge way. So I want to spend some time uh, talking about this. And I, I, I'm going to start with Dave. Dave, what did, what did Stan Lee mean to you as a comic book fan? It's impossible to talk about the superhero genre without talking about Stan Lee. And I do think the the complicated part of his legacy and his impact is in trying to describe the the difference between creator and co-creator. You see a lot of that where where people just shorthand it. And I get what they're trying to say. You know, this is a guy who created Spider-Man, but it 
it has the connotation of he solely did it, and obviously he didn't solely create any of the heroes he's involved with. He certainly outlived his co-creators and his collaborators, and he certainly has more of a, a PR box to stand on. But even Stan himself will be the first one to say, you know, I I worked with some other legitimate giants in the field like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko in creating these stories. And these characters are going to absolutely stand the tests of time the way that, you know, uh, Robin Hood or, or Zorro or any of these, these old mythologies do. It's... You just look at what the big blockbuster stories are now. It's it's these Marvel movies. You look at how, it, you know, all these other intellectual property entertainment giants are trying to follow the Marvel pattern and that Marvel success right now. And it's because they have these great characters and they found people who love those characters and are just telling great, fun, human stories. That was That was the part of the contribution that is completely... Stanley, that he wanted these characters to be human and flawed and relatable as opposed to superheroes up until that point in time who kind of stood apart from the rest of society and had great lives. He wanted them to be very, very real and tangible and touchable. And you just have to look at all of the marketing successes that are out there right now and know that that he succeeded in that goal. Mm. So, so, Greg, when you talk about the impact of Marvel and Stan Lee and the comics, you know, it, it really has branched off an entire new segment of the business, and especially the, the, what we talk about a lot of the films. How, how was Stan Lee's – what was Stan Lee's impact on the movie industry? Because clearly he was an innovator with comics, but we have to look at the movies that, he, that he's responsible for as well, don't we, to really understand the, the breadth of his impact? You know, it's 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 interesting because they've been trying to make successful comic book movies since the early 90s. I mean, that's when you started to see things like Dark Man by Sam Raimi came out. Um, you know, they there was a genre that was there to be seen, but you could only be successful if you were Richard Donner and Superman and you were um, um, Tim Burton and Batman. Uh, but those series just seemed to degrade as time went on. And then once you hit 2000, you get to X-Men, and, and it was 2002 and X2, you, people realize you can make a franchise out of these things. And, of course, it's mastered today with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting with Iron Man in 2008. And, and it, it, while there were the, 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 the false starts of the, of the genre in the early 2000s, um, the past 10 years have just been a cavalcade of awesome comic book movies as long as they don't come from the dc universe <laughs> <laughs> well that that that's funny because that was my next question and i'm going to throw this at nico nico wh- why do you think the marvel movies are so much better than dc do you lay that at, at stan lee's feet or is there some other factor that that maybe is at play here well clearly the one thing that every marvel movie has in common that none of the dc movies have is a cameo made by Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. So I think that's got to be, you know, the deciding factor right there. If DC just had cameos with Stan Lee, they might have been successful. <laughs> well, or actually, at least the creator, because you had uh, Bob Kane show up in the Tim Burton Batman, and that movie was fucking gangbuster. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> 
Scott, creator cameos. Scott, I, you're a huge comic book guy, and so I know you've got a lot to say about this. What what does Stanley mean to Scott Ivansky? Oh man. Um, well, Poor. I I kind of <laughs> did. <laughs> oh, sweet uh, color porn. I love it. Um, <laughs> no, I I actually did a little bit of a kind of a write up for him. I do this every once in a while. It's sometimes maybe it seems a little empty. You 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 know in this Facebook world, social media world that we have somebody famous that you've has been a part of your life in some way shape or form um you you write something up it, you feel that stan lee though was was a life changer for me uh, i was going through a lot of like difficult times in my life i was going through some surgery uh, i was i had some surgeries that were coming up and i was eighth ninth grade and um i had a friend who ended up dropping off a, a handful of uh x-men comics uh, particularly around the time when there was this a series of X-Men comics called The Mutant Massacre, which was leading up to a, another large crossover event called Fall of the Mutants. Uh, and I'm not going to run off on all that. It was a fantastic series. But the thing that I noticed right away was uh, they always had in these comics the bullpen bulletins, uh, and particularly Stan Lee's soapbox. And, man, there was just something that Stan could do, and that was connecting with people. He just, I, I know everybody knows Excelsior from, you know, his famous word that he loves to use, but he connected on so many levels. He talked to people like they were real people. He was the guy behind the scenes, and it was just a fantastic connection. Uh, I want to back it up to something you were talking with Nico about. Uh, I agree with Nico. I love the fact that he was making cameos in every one of these movies, but it wasn't just the cameos. I think it was something more. His imprint is in everything. I mean, even the stuff later on that other people created and brought out of Marvel was all influenced by what Stan Lee did and a lot of those <clears throat> early creators. So to see that, to see how it influences talented, artistic people, creative people, and to see how it can actually influence us as readers and fans, right. they they translated that to the big screen. Yeah, I mean, they took something I still have discussions with you guys about this. And other people that love talking about movies, even if they're superhero movies, there are people out there that just think, oh, there's, it's just another, it's a comic book movie. You know what? There's something that was endearing and connecting and all these wonderful things that comic books had. It's not just a funny book. It's not just this childish thing that you throw away. He put real life, real character, real heart into all, all those people, all those characters and superheroes he created. And those connected with us. They were flawed, like Dave said. Uh, they were larger than life. But they worked so well together. I look at a lot of the Marvel heroes versus the, the DC counterparts at the time. And DC counterparts, they had they had physical flaws. You know, Superman's weakness was kryptonite. Right. You know, Green Lantern's weakness is the color mm -hmm. yellow. Yeah. Fucking pansy. Fucking pansy. <laughs> <laughs> But you, you go over to Marvel Comics, and it's, it's like Spider-Man. Spider-Man's weakness is this: he's a teenager with this sense of guilt that he caused the death of his surrogate father. Yeah. And he will never win any fight ever because you can never beat that. Yeah. You can never defeat that problem. It's a completely twisted, dark thing to do in, in a you know quote-unquote kid's superhero yeah. book. But the same thing with Bruce Banner. The Hulk is this angry id that he, he – wants to repress he can't do anything about it and that that's his weakness that's his flaw tony the, stark has his ego and uh, yeah. arrogance that, and carries yeah. over with alcoholism and other problems yeah. real world problems 
Yeah, I agree with you. So, Dave, there's a there's a great uh, quote in this article on HollywoodReporter.com, and um, we're we're also uh, guys on this show. We're all rock and roll fans, yeah. and so this is a great quote from Gene Simmons of Kiss, who is also immortalized in a comic book series, right? From controversial. Marvel. Oh, was it uh, comic book series? Well, let me read the it quote. Was. Let me read the quote first. Yeah. Um, Gene Simmons says, quote, his stories taught me that even superheroes like Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk have ego deficiencies and girl problems that do not live in their macho fantasies 24 hours a day, Gene Simmons of Kiss said in a 1979 interview. Through the honesty of guys like Spider-Man, I learned about the shades of gray in human nature. That's exactly what you guys are talking about. Yeah. So what, what's the controversy with that? Kiss and Gene Simmons. There was a very famous uh, printing that there was a, a rumor that was spread that each member of Kiss was they drew blood and poured the blood into the red ink of that comic. I I think that's true. I think I've read that that that's a true thing. It may not have been the whole band, but at least one band member did participate in that. I okay. think it was Gene Simmons, and it's in this article somewhere because I read it. Okay. When I was in during prep. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they 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 do do that from time to time. A, a very well-known, respected editor of Marvel Comics and, and writer, and even sometimes artist, Mark Grunewald, died suddenly of a heart attack. And when they did a trade paperback printing of a limited series that he wrote that was considered one of his landmark works, his ashes, were, or a portion of his ashes, were mixed into the ink. So if you have a first printing of the Squadron Supreme trade paperback, wow. you have you have a version that I affectionately call the Gru's Ashes edition. Wow. Wow. So here's, uh, again in this article uh, on HollywoodReporter.com, Kiss made it into the Marvel pages, and Lee had Simmons bleed into a vat of ink so the publisher could say the issues were printed with his blood. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, there's a nice video accompaniment here. A little bit about Stan's life. I pulled some audio from it, guys. Uh, it's about a minute long. And um, Nico, you mentioned that there were some cameos that uh, Stanley, of course, famously has been in uh, all the Marvel movies in one character or another. Uh, listen carefully for this tribute. It's got some quotes from Stan, and then a couple of his uh, his cameos are featured here. So this is uh, Stanley tribute from HollywoodReporter.com. I've tried to write stories that anybody and everybody would enjoy. I've tried to make them understandable enough and exciting or suspenseful or interesting enough for youngsters to hold their interest. And I've tried to make them hopefully intelligent enough for older people. Are you Tony Stank? Yes, this is, this is Tony Stank. This comic strip is lame and derivative. I'll be the judge of that. Oh, we... Stan Lee! Creator of Marvel Comics? Greetings, true believers. It's like playing a game. Some people like to play cards. Some people like to play golf. I like to play coming up with ideas for movies or books or whatever. That's fun. You know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. Just one word for you, Stan. Excelsior. Stan Lee leaves us at 95. That's a big one. Uh, guys, we have to talk about another, 
unfortunately, another celebrity that passed away that's uh, very influential on movies and on stuff we talk about on this show, and that's William Goldman, screenwriter. Uh, Extraordinaire. Screenwriter extraordinaire. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Passed away this past week at 87. Uh, He is famous for many movies, uh, among them Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So good. So good. He wrote... Oh, kill us! (laughs) (laughs) He wrote... And just thinking about writing this makes my head spin as as a quasi artist and writer in my own right uh, all the president's men yeah if you we saw that movie last year again i rewatched it after yeah. that is a masterpiece it's to make journalism interesting and the way he did it it's just a masterwork it's tension it's it's everything it, it is it it they can't seem to write like they did like that they can't write like william could yeah. And I, what's the recent one that was uh, almost like a lead-in to all the President's Men that just came the, out? The Post. The, the Post, Post. Yeah. yeah. Not a bad movie, but lacked something so – something that was so there in all the President's Men. That the, that feeling, that tension, everything yeah. that he puts into his words, I didn't get that same feeling out of The Post. Of course, he coined uh, the phrase, follow the money Yeah. from all the President's Men. That's sort of seeped into our, our vernacular – in uh, 2018 um, he wrote Misery A Bridge Too Far The Stepford Wives Chaplin Marathon Man and maybe most notably for this show The Princess Bride I know we're going to talk about that but you brought up one movie in there that is just fantastic all, and they're all great but Marathon, Marathon Man, Man holy crap that movie is just I still, I'm getting chills just thinking about that movie there's a, there's a scene in that movie that just hurts hurts well yeah, i was also going to say just about. misery yeah. if if you want to have the absolute shit scared out of you oh just please watch that movie yeah <laughs> it's that, Kathy, that is, Kathy that Bates? is just a supremely creepy yeah. and disturbing film well the book is messed up and you're like there's no way that the movie can be worse than the book because you know the theater of the mind is so powerful but yeah. that movie came damn close here's here's what's beautiful <laughs> about that you already have a fantastic, perfect novel with Stephen yeah, King. Right. You have William Goldman come in and write that, and you just take... There are scenes in that book that probably should never be on film anyway, but the way he rewrote and changed some of those little moments, mm-hmm. normally I'd be upset about that. It made it so much worse to watch those scenes happen. on. And you know, the hobbling scene is definitely one of those. Oh, oh my God. Who's who's the guy? Uh, it's what's his name from James the Con. yeah James Conn. I was going to say from the Godfather. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have something to admit. I, I got to come clean. I've never seen Butch Cassidy in the Sundance Kid. Oh my god! Wow! Yeah. Whoa! Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> I know. I need to see. Right. It. I, I know what we're doing because that yeah. that movie is full of so many quotes that you you will not even realize that the quotes originated from that movie. Well, I probably heard them all, and I sort of know the plot but i've just never se- sat and watched it for two hours so i need i and, need to get and, that done and the <laughs> absolute strangest placing of a pop song in any western yes. movie you'll ever see in your entire life <laughs> absolutely and it, and it works it's one of the more famous clips i think from that era is that that scene of, of raindrops keep falling on my head as they're riding around on bicycles but 
I mean, so many quotable lines like, what are you worried about, kid? The fall will probably kill you. Yeah. Or, uh, rules? There are no rules in a knife fight. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I've God. got vision, and the rest of the world is wearing bifocals. <laughs> See, Next time I for... say we're going to Bolivia, we're going to Bolivia. Go ahead, Nico. <laughs> for me, it's understandable. I'm a millennial, but you see? Yes, I know. <laughs> I'm pathetic. Sad. Absolutely yeah, pathetic. You're, you're a little disappointed in him right now, aren't you, Nico? I am. Yeah. I am. Should we, okay. we I can... am. Should we stop the show? I can stop the show and watch it really quick. We can come back. Let's come back in two hours and right. 47 let's, let's minutes. Okay. All right. It's a fantastic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. All right. There we go. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. So All right. I, we're back I, after a hard <laughs> edit. What did you think of that movie, Steve? That was one yeah. of the, That scene with the raindrops keep falling oh, on my head my on God. bikes. Oh, my God. That was great. <laughs> and the knife fight? <laughs> what? Good. Can you believe the, Yeah. <laughs> There's no rules in a knife fight. Somebody uh, say, one, two, three, go. I will, <laughs> I will get that done. Um, it's inconceivable it's that I haven't seen that fan- movie. Yes. It's a fantastic movie. Okay, uh, Butch Cassidy is a, is legit a fantastic movie. Holds well, up to this day. Well, we got to talk about the charm and just sort of strange way that the Princess Bride huh. is just co- sort of comes together <laughs> in this in a strange way. It's sort of like tender, but it's goofy. And it's funny, but it's it's got action. It's it's a weird sort it, of amalgamation of all that, and it just it works. It's a classic. Oh, it is. It, it's a genre busting movie that would probably never get made today, and that's just sad because it's so good. I just Criterion just released uh, a Blu-ray of it uh, last month that I purchased. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I'm really really looking forward to getting into it, seeing a restored cut diving into all those extra bonuses that Criterion puts on there. It, it I it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Modern modern day classic for sure. Um yeah. and of course Fred Savage is coming back to reprise his character in a Deadpool movie of all places. I was going to say has anybody <laughs> seen the new Deadpool 2 re-release they're doing? No. I've I've heard about it but I it, I thought they were just uh they were just editing some stuff out to get it to like a PG-13 cut they, they're adding they something well they're it's gonna be basically how uh, princess bride is narrated by grandpa with fred and bed sick <laughs> it's deadpool reading the story of deadpool 2 to a grown-ass fred in the exact same oh section. my god that's oh, brilliant yeah, yeah they, they just they just release a trailer with fred savage in the same chicago bears jersey laying oh, in bed oh my god you're kidding <laughs> and exactly. And Deadpool sitting there in the chair talking about why he's sitting there, and it's it's really funny. It they it just released this week, so All it's right. really really funny. I got National Treasure Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool, or Deadpool is Ryan Reynolds. I'm honestly not sure where one begins and the other ends <laughs> yeah. at this point. Oh yeah, I don't God. think anybody knows. Uh, all right, I have something else to admit. I'm serious. About if you this one. say you haven't seen, oh, I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Deadpool two. Oh, okay. okay. I saw the first one. I haven't one. either. I'm right oh. there with you. All right. Uh, it, it, the dead the Deadpool <laughs> m- movies are funny, but they're not the end all be all for me. Deadpool two Deadpool two is good, but it's you so know I'm... it's 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 as good as the first one if you like the first one. Okay, so sh- do I watch Butch Cassidy first or Deadpool two? First? Butch Cassidy. But, Butch right. Cassidy. Okay, but right. I'm going to disagree done. with Greg. I I I appreciate his opinion on it. I think Deadpool's are a step up from what he said. I think they're fantastic, okay. fun movies, and if you really enjoy the character Deadpool, yeah. if you know enough about him. You'll love the fourth wall breaking. You'll love just the out of control 
Well, I saw the first movie and I thought right. it was good, and I actually, I actually ended up buying it because yeah. I really wanted to see it, and I so now I own it yeah. on iTunes. Okay. Well, good news for you, Steve. You mm. can go and watch Deadpool two coming in theaters very soon, right in PG thirteen. Okay. And you don't have to hear all that filthy, filthy language coming out of this filthy, or filthy mouth. See all the I know. I know. It. Fuck all that shit. What is, what, <laughs> right Nick, in the ass. Nico. <laughs> with a sword. Which happens um, a lot in that movie. <laughs> Nico, when does, uh, what's the release date for Deadpool 2? I'm not sure. I'm pretty right. sure it's sometime in the next six months. All right. I get get, get our, same, Nico. I hope it's the same day as Mary Poppins, because that would be. Nico, oh, my God. That'd be beautiful. Nico, oh get our, uh, get our crack research team on that, Nico. And let's, let's, you. let's get that. Okay. Yeah. Right. So okay. I will say that Ryan Reynolds is, is, is pledging some of the profits from this re-release to his cancer organization, which is called oh. Fuck Cancer. Great name. <laughs> Um, but since yeah. it's a PG-13 release, he's renamed the the charity Fudge Cancer in honor of the re-release uh, at PG-13. So good on you, Daredevil. Okay, or so Daredevil, Deadpool, Deadpool. whatever so, his name is. So wait, I want to make sure I understand what's happening here. So they're they're going to re-release it. Yes. They're going to take out the, the, the bad the, stuff, the seven bad words that you can't say, seven. right? Uh, and well, multiple multiple versions of the seven bad words. Yeah. And they're going to re-release it as a PG-13. Yeah. This is Deadpool yes. two or one? Deadpool two. Two. Oh, really? Two. Interesting. So they're re- so this is this. Oh, is this Disney catering trying to get more business from the kiddos? Is that what that is? I don't. It, well, Disney doesn't own Fox yet. Yeah. Don't they? It's not done. No. Yeah. Okay. It's not right. done. It's prob- probably probably the first of the year. We haven't had an update on that in a while. Yeah. Dave, we need a, an update on that. Okay. So. Well, this so this is a what's well, a money grab from somebody though. It's from Fox, I guess, well, right? They, why why would you re-release it as a PG thirteen movie? It's they, almost they, unheard of. They did do to this raise with the money first for one. charity. You yes. heartless. Oh, bastard. that's yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah. Okay, all right. Fudge okay. cancer. I'm with you. It's specifically <laughs> for that. Okay, that's cool. Coming oh, to man. theaters December twelfth. Oh, thank oh. you. Well, okay, we got off perfect. subject there, but uh, yeah, that's I, all right. I got it. We didn't even really get a chance to talk about Princess Bride. All right, so Princess Bride. So Scott. Impressions. What do you what do you, when you think of the Princess Bride and and specifically the writing? Since we're talking about William Goldman, uh, what comes to mind? Oh, perfection! Uh, it's my top <laughs> in my top ten uh, greatest movies of all time. Absolutely, uh, it it's a movie I can never get bored with. Um, it hits you. I mean, it's got the feels. I love. The two, the the storytelling element uh, with Fred Savage, obviously, uh, throughout the whole thing. I love how it cuts, where you really feel like somebody's closing a book every time there's a problem, and they have to cut back to the two characters having that discussion about it, the kissing and all that, and the kid can't. Say, I love that. Mm. The dialogue is just fantastic. The acting is perfect. Everybody in that movie hits it 100. percent So, love it. I'm pretty sure I could go the rest of my entire life speaking with only movie quotes from that that film. <laughs> that would be great. All right, uh, Nico, what's your so, what's your favorite movie quote from from that movie? Have yeah. fun storming the castle. Oh, God, I love that quote. I use that all the time. <laughs> right? I did. Yeah. <laughs> all we time. all do. Yeah. That that that's what Christine and I say to each other as we're leaving for work in the morning, at least once a week to each other. Have oh, fun storming the castle. You know what? That's so sweet because I use that every time 
my son or my wife has to go to the bathroom, I start yelling <laughs> that down the hallway. <laughs> and they get so mad at me. I'm like, come on. So, what what I was going to say is if you talk about quotable and go the rest of your life with it, Mandy Patankin uh, <laughs> to this day has to at least once a week say for somebody, my name is Enigma Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. He's he's told stories about doing Broadway plays, and when he goes out for a curtain call, he shushes the whole audience so he can just say it for them and, oh. and get another round of applause. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's, and it's like 31 years later, and this is still this is what he's known for after all this time. It's, yeah, it's it's such an incredible alignment of great writing, great acting, just standout work by everybody, you know, from the director on down to the people who did the craft services on that movie. It's just perfect. Uh, just I'm reviewing this article a little bit. Uh, in 19 in 2009, Goldman was uh, was named the the world's greatest and most famous living screenwriter by critic Joe Queenan of The Guardian. He received, oh, get this, his first original screenplay was Butch Cassidy. And mm-hmm. he sold it for $400,000, which is the equivalent of about uh, almost $3 million now, uh, which was a record for a screenplay at that time. Incredible. And he taught he taught creative writing at Princeton. Oh, man. So yeah, and actually too. he wrote a fantastic book on being a screenwriter called Adventures in the Screen Trade, A Personal View of Hollywood and Screenwriting. Mm. I read that back in my college days. It's wonderful. If you have any interest Mm -hmm. in writing at all, not even just a screenplay, Mm. any interest in writing at all, you should read that book. But you can't get it from Amazon right now because it's temporarily out of stock. Yeah. Wow. All right. Good good call there. Thanks, Dave, for that. Okay, William Goldman passed away at 87. We lost that's that's two big ones this this Jesus, week. Jesus, Steve, in, who else died this week? Man. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Inconceivable right, that we would lose both of them in one week. Ugh. All right, what what do we have happy to talk about here? So far, we've destroyed a California <sighs> city and talked about the death of two major people. What <laughs> what do we have to perk this up a little bit for the Thanksgiving holiday for everybody? Yeah, all right. Oh, let you know what we actually how about some turkey noises? <laughs> There, you go. <laughs> there we go. Tur- turkey noises you know, make that everybody happy. Died too. So. That's right. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah. oh damn it! <laughs> Wait, what, what are all these? No. Wait, Scott, don't don't open that door, Scott. There, no, <laughs> oh, Scott, come on, no, put the tur- Scott, put the turkeys back. Put the turkeys back in the closet, Scott. Those are for Thursday. I'm those, so sorry, okay. Steve. Are those, all the, are those all the turkeys that the president pardoned? And I'm not talking about all the administration officials. Oh, you mean Dinesh D'Souza and uh, Joe Arpaio? <laughs> Actually, you know what the you know what the uh, porg sounds like every Saturday night. That's what the porg sounds like. Oh man, <laughs> man, that's wow, painful. that's uncomfortable. <laughs> I love when I throw out a, a porg joke and you just stun silence. You guys don't know what to do with it. Yeah, like the it's back like of a just, Volkswagen. You just oh. grossed. You just grossed out and absorbing my the, no, the, the, the image like, of me and the porg. You get mad at me for some of the things I say, but any kind of like. Like fictional bestiality joke with the porg is just like, oh, I can't wait to make that. Get that, in there. Dave. Come Dave, but you make here. one little crack about an altar boy. One <laughs> <laughs> oh, solution to the Catholic. Oh, never mind. Yeah, oh, yeah. C- come here, sweetheart. It's okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh my God, I can't even turn away. All right, guys. If I let's turn one way. The damn thing staring at me. Look at that. Steve, He's if not... an egg can fit in there, it doesn't mean you can. <laughs> 
Oh, all right. Let's let's get back oh. to the news, guys. Wow, we went to a play. You know, I I, I still need the porn music CD from you. This is dark. Damn. Oh, I think I put it on Dropbox. Right. I need to get William it Goldman yeah. is turning over in his grave right now. Yeah. All right. Let's get. So we've got some good news coming out of Disneyland and the Star Wars camp, guys. John Williams has composed a new score for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Awesome. And this is being reported all over the place, but I'm reading from io9.gizmodo.com. It wouldn't be a Star Wars attraction without John Williams, and now his iconic music is coming to Disney parks. Entertainment Weekly revealed that Williams has composed a new score for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Now, in this article, and uh, I think Nico pointed this out, they also, we got the name of the ride... Uh, somewhere here. Uh, oh, well, there's one ride that's going to be called... Okay, so, sorry. The Millennium Falcon ride will be called Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. It's the name of the ride. Okay. And right. the the other ride will be called Rise of the Resistance. So you've got, got the, the dark side and the light. Hmm. That's uh, not a resistance. It's rising, if you know what I mean. And uh, <laughs> if you go on... Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a clip. I'm sorry. <laughs> This is only an audio podcast. Why would I have a clip of the new music ready? But I'm sorry, uh, I don't. Uh, go, ch- maybe I'll really? pull that. Yeah, I know, I know. Hold, well, I, it, you know, Steve. I might be able to. Let me see here. Well, well let's did give. They, the, did they release some let's, samples? Let's, let's give this a shot here. All right, here we go. While it's queuing up there, it does sound very Star Warsy. Okay, here it goes. Shh. Shh. So uh, it's part of a video. We're panning over Galaxy's Edge at Star Wars at uh, Disneyland. We've got a high high level view, far above the park. See lots of construction. the The rocks, the mountains look great. They've done a really great job making the. Boy, it really looks like Star Wars. The, the roundish buildings from uh, like Tatooine and Theed. Uh, got a ship being built. What kind of ship that is, Scott? I don't know. Looks like a transport of some sort. Yeah, some sort of a rebel transport. I think it's BT five oh nine. So anyway, you can go on uh, you can go on io9.gizmodo.com and listen to the rest of that. It is pretty fabulous, actually. That but just... also in that video, I don't know if you're queued up to mention that, but I'm going to mention it first if you're not going to. Go for is, it. Is the, uh, there is an actual interior to the Millennium Falcon that they walk through in that video as well. I will. I've got this up on my screen here for Scott's uh, viewing pleasure. Oh, wow. Check this out. I'm going to play a little bit of the video so he can see this. So this looks like, well, so it looks like there's a couple of at-at walkers inside the building. And actually, when they were building this from the top uh, deck of the structure, you could see the framing for these. Oh, great. So I saw these being Mm -hmm. built before they were here. Yeah. Actually here in this video. And then as as the music plays on here... You'll see it looks like a queue, part of the ride, the, the queue, there it is. It looks like we're going to walk through the interior of the Falcon. And so we kind of, yeah, we kind of speculated on the podcast of whether you would actually be able to go inside that Millennium Falcon replica that they have there in the uh, park, and it looks like that pretty much confirms it right there. Yeah. If I, if I, I think, all right, guys? 
I would think. It looks like it. That's, what, that's my takeaway. Those AT-ATs look amazing, too. Yeah. Um, so that one ship looked like a prequel transport. I think we saw something very similar to that with a giant fin on the back. Yeah, and the, the big two, fin, but it's, it's sort of a wide body with a tall fin in the back. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, there was something else. Oh, I, I was noticing the music. There is definitely a Star Wars. When all the strings kick in, there's a Star Wars vibe to it. But it also jumps into a very Jurassic Park sounding theme as well. Yeah, I got that too. I didn't pick up on it myself, but now that you mentioned it's it, not, it it's not like, like it. John Williams to steal from himself, though. You know, he's <laughs> no, never done that. I've before. never said that on this podcast, have I? <laughs> <laughs> so more more good news out of uh, the Star Wars dot uh, com camp. The show, we have a new live-action series that's been announced. The show is called Cassian Andor. Well, actually, it's a Cassian Andor-based live-action series. I don't know if it's called Cassian Andor, but it says... a Diego- Cassian Andor what? Yeah, Cassian Andor what? Cassian Andor... <laughs> Greg, yeah, you looking? beat me to it by a split second, <laughs> motherfucker. It's inconceivable that he beat you by a split second. Um, Diego Luna stars. I do not think it means what you think it means. Uh, Diego Luna will return as the Rogue One hero in a spy thriller. Now, I'm actually almost looking more forward to this than than. Uh, Don't say it. What's it's the other one? The Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh, this is. I mean, check this out. Listen, well, listen to this. Diego uh, Luna returns as a Rogue One hero. As the Rogue One hero in a spy thriller for Disney's direct-to-consumer streaming service, uh, announced by uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger. Bob Iger. He announced Bob Iger. that uh, Bob Iger. Uh, Bob Lucasfilm Iger. is in development on a second live-action series for Disney Plus, which is the direct-to-consumer streaming service. So we're only going to get this by subscribing to Disney Plus. It sounds like Scott is. <laughs> Rolling his eyes, I you can am, hear it through I'm, the microphone. Those can. eyes can rolling you feel back. Feel that? I'm yeah. gonna be over at somebody's house watching this because there's no way I'm gonna drop another eight grand on Disney. Do you mean in the same way that you weren't gonna buy the Last Jedi? That's right. Is that what you're saying? All That's right. right. So it's taking me at least a year before I subscribe. Oh, I sense another Scott <laughs> Wait, watch coming. Out. I mean, I get I get your disenfranchisement with the Last Jedi. I get it, but I mean, the Mandalorian with the with the cast for the Mandalorian that they've been out so far, and this casting Andor, which what he was. You know, if if him and and K two S O is in it as well, and you oh, wouldn't want to watch both these shows. I do want to watch the show. I've I already have Netflix, and my, I know that this has been something they've been talking about. But my problem is, okay. they're forcing people to get into another network. So you don't want to have to buy another subscription right, service right. to watch so, this. You know thing. what? I'm going to come over to one of your houses. I'll watch it. <laughs> what the fuck are you going to watch on Netflix? Cancel Netflix. Are you going to what? Are you going to watch Sabrina yeah. on Netflix? Fuck that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, that's a good show. <laughs> I don't disagree with what Greg and Dave are saying, but you bring Guinness over, you can come and watch it. My there you go. There I'm you set. Go. I'm, I'm easy. See? I'm easy. Did you that. watch the last season of House of Cards? Fuck Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, actually. <laughs> back to StarWars.com. The rousing spy thriller will explore tales filled with espionage and daring missions to restore hope to the galaxy. In the grip of a ruthless empire. A release date for the series has not been announced, but uh, stay tuned to StarWars.com and the Wretched High podcast for the latest updates. Sounds great. And by the way, Greg, I didn't watch that. I did watch the last season of Daredevil, and holy crap, that was amazing. Oh, the last season I'm of Daredevil? I'm like halfway through it. It hasn't. It hasn't. Oh, 
kept me going. I need to finish that off though. I did watch I did watch The Legend of Buster Scruggs, which holy shit, if you haven't watched that yet, it is phenomenal. Okay. Really good. Is that Netflix? Yeah. It's They're... it's a Coen Brothers movie that came on Netflix. Oh, mm. great. Great. It's all uh only on Netflix? It wasn't in theaters? Oh, that's cool. It, it had a limited run in theaters, I think, okay. but it, it was primarily released for Netflix, yeah. Okay. Just stick with that Daredevil, Daredevil. It does seem a little slow at first. I know some people have complained about it. Trust me, it's great. Uh, it's based off of... Oh, my goodness, I'm going to forget the name of the uh, the, the series of Daredevil that they loosely use. They use well, it. it's, mm. it's kind of it's loosely based on Born Again. Born Again, thank you. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. You'll see a very uh, familiar look of Daredevil if it hasn't shown up yet. Um, not the red suit. Hmm. So okay. God. Next. By the way, that Born Again storyline just nothing to do with Stanley, but just showing how great these characters you created are. Yeah. It, that's purely a Frank Miller six issue Daredevil storyline, and it is just an absolute masterwork encapsulation. Of yeah. what you can do with the character of Daredevil. Oh yeah, it, it should go on a shelf for people to read as one of the great superhero volumes, in yeah, my that, personal opinion. That 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 early to mid '80s run that Frank Miller was on with you know his f- first issues of Daredevil, and then graduating into like Dark Knight, and he was just on a tear. Then he went back to Daredevil. Yeah, and I think I think Born Again blows Dark Knight Returns away. I honestly do. Absolutely, uh, Born Again is so good. The da- Dark Knight Returns is great. Don't get me wrong; it's fantastic. Born Again is better. Look, the, the level of writing and all that. I'm, I'm with, I'm on board with you guys with that. But visually, sometimes I'm a very easygoing, simple person when it comes to liking certain things. There is a visual look to Daredevil in that series that comes across in this series on Netflix, and it's just, I got mm-hmm. goosebumps when it comes on screen. There's just, there's even a nod to Kevin Smith in here in his little uh, miniseries with uh, Daredevil as well. So there. Uh, there are two bits in that series that always get me and give me little chills every time I flip through the page. And one of them is when the kingpin has his realization. It, it's it's two sentences: "A man without hope is a man without fear." Yeah. Mm-hmm. To s- describe what he realizes he might have just done to Matt Murdock as Daredevil. Yeah. And then in the last issue, when the Avengers show up for like a page, and you just see from like a daredevil's perspective or just the average human being's perspective, what these gods must be like on the street. Like Captain America is just introduced with the line, a voice that could command a God. And then on the next page, you just see a silhouette of Thor summoning a storm to put out a fire in a building. And then the tagline reads and does, and you just, Mm -hmm. that's everything you need to know about Captain America right there in those two sentences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There is a there is an interesting catch to the TV show. You brought this up, Dave, by that that line that Kingpin says. The show never says the man without fear, but I'll, if you watch this season three, there's something that will make you just either cry or get serious goosebumps. Like my hair was standing up on all ends towards the last three episodes of this this series, Damn. and there is a villain in this. That just it brought it back to the the first season, and it's just heart wrenching when you see some of the stuff that happens with this villain and and some of the other characters. And you guys Fantastic. are giving me all kinds of assignments. I haven't seen well, season three. I've I've seen part of season two. Yeah, I have too much to watch now. Thanks, guys. It's it's a yeah. lot. And I just want to jump back to agree with what Greg said. 
I like Born Again better than The Dark Knight Returns, which yeah. is a little blasphemous because The Dark Knight Returns is clearly by far the more influ- the most influential thing Miller has done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you if you look yeah. at what that did to Batman and how Batman is written and portrayed as a character, it, The Dark Knight Returns is still the story and interpretation that drives Batman to this day, you know, yeah. 34 35 years later. Born Again for Daredevil, probably not so much, but I, I, I think it's a superior work. Yeah, just it's it's the the writing and it, it's it it so just brings you into that character and what he's going through at the time, and you and you just you feel every bit of what he's going through, and you feel and you and you emerge through the other side with him. It's it's such a triumph of writing that book is. It really is. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, this next story is tailor made. For Scott Evansky. Scott! Oh, great. This is, I watched the Phantom Menace trailer six times in one day in the same theater. We're at the anniversary, the 20-year anniversary. <laughs> and that's of, when I learned you can't masturbate in theaters. The Phantom, is this written by Scott Evansky? <laughs> it was. The Phantom Menace, it episode was. one. Uh, on Again, uh, io9, providing the, uh, the reference here, io9.gizmodo.com. I, uh, that's actually the name of the story. I watched the Phantom Menace trailer six times in one day at the same theater by Jermaine Lussier, uh, published last Friday. A trailer for Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, was the white whale of my earliest days on the internet. He's right. He writes. Yes. In late 1997 and early 98, it drove me. It drove my every waking thought as I jumped from Star Wars website to website waiting for the news of its arrival. It finally arrived in all its glory, and that was 20 years ago last weekend. November 17th, 1998? Nailed it. Yes. Well done, sir. Yeah. Uh, the trailer for episode uh, one, The Phantom Menace, launched on November 17th, 1998. Don't say which movies, because it was actually two movies. Can you name the two movies it was attached to in the front and if you waited to the end credits after the end credits, I think I can. Yeah, I, I, I can name. I can, and I can name one. Ah. <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can, but don't. <clears throat> Wait, what was um, it? Who I'm said? Surrounded by assholes. <laughs> no, it was Meet Joe Black. Wasn't it Waterboy? The Water yeah, Boy. Water the Water Boy. Boy. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Scott. Yes. Uh, you got one minute. <laughs> oh, I got, I got all. We're running a little long, I so I know, night. I know that you want to talk about this, but sure. get what are the lasting impressions that you have of seeing that movie, that trailer, not the movie, right? But the trailer in the theaters. What do you remember from that time? First of all, hashtag Christine Holka was wrong. So let's just get that <laughs> shit out of the way right now, Dave. Harry Potter. Oh man, I'm just kidding. Wow, wow. Look at him; he's angry. Look at the steam. You're on There's 45 steam. seconds. Just, no, I what? No, two minutes. Give me two minutes. All right, go. Uh, the, I think we all should talk about that because line. what? What? <laughs> Nothing. Oh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He's so lucky. I can't hear. Um. Yeah. What are we talking about? What are your impressions? What do you remember from? Tr- I, you've told me some stories about this, about driving quite a long way just to go see the trailer. Uh, uh, what? Tell me the story of Scott trying to f- see that trailer. Okay. Okay, hold on a second. Let's not mix stories here. Okay. Yet I drove a long ways to see the re-release for the special edition for Star Wars because okay. it was only playing in two theaters across the nation, one in Los Angeles and one in New York. The Phantom Menace was released in 25, 26 theaters, I think, at the time. 
Um, yes, I ended up seeing it at, I believe the place was called Cinemopolis over around Orange. And uh, I did see it in front of both movies. I did watch Meet Joe Black and I did watch The Waterboy. The Waterboy was the one I saw it in front of first um, and did wait to see it after the credits. It was amazing. Um, I got to tell you, I, I, you know, not knowing obviously what was going to happen six, seven months later, it was so great to see how that trailer was put together. Uh, there is this really intense build up to the actual theme of the of the Star Wars. There's this moment when it first comes on, the Lucasfilm logo comes on, and I think the first shot you see in that trailer, it's uh, you see the Gungans coming out from the swamp in like this misty setting. Yeah, and it's just a fantastic moment. Um, you have this creepy kind of eerie sound effects and music kind of building up. You get the uh, every generation. There's a, a legend. Um, I can't remember the whole spiel, but eventually it gets to the main theme. You see the podcast. You're going like 100 miles an hour, 200 miles an hour. Pod racers. Pod race. What did I say? Podcast. Pod race. uh, Anakin's pod. (laughs) And uh, you got me on. I'm going way too fast (laughs) here, man. Um, But it's just one of those moments where I think there was just, oh, the moment that got me, just knowing there was some buildup to this, and I had done so much internet research at the time, which Mm -hmm. was so archaic back then. Um, knowing that there was going to be a villain, a rumor with a double-bladed lightsaber, and you see the moment where Darth Maul's second blade ignites. Right. I cried. I was just like, I was just like <laughs> shaking. I'm like, oh my god, it's That's real! Great. It was the most amazing thing. Yeah. We know what happened so, seven months later, but so yeah, I, I don't remember the whole build-up either of the the front end of it. But the last tagline is every saga has a beginning. And as they do the fadeaway of that, you get just a little single breath of Darth Vader before it goes into the main title oh. and the pod racing. That's right. That trailer is still the best goddamn movie trailer I have ever yeah. seen in my life because yeah. to this day, I wa- anytime I watch that trailer, I think to myself, well, maybe that movie is not as bad as I remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is yeah. that yeah. good of a trailer. Yeah. And I honestly think that trailer was the first legitimate internet viral video. Yeah, because yeah. how how I remember seeing it was that someone bootlegged it and uploaded it onto the internet, and Lucasfilm, to their credit, didn't flip their shit. Yeah, they just let it propagate like that, and that's how I saw it. I did not have a good internet connection at home. I still had a dial-up, so I did what any you know smart fan would do. I went to the office, which had a T1 line, and downloaded it to my work computer, so I and everybody else on my floor could watch it. Yeah, yeah. and it was amazing oh yeah it was an amazing experience to just everybody huddle around one computer because back in the day you you know not everybody had you know these you know these things to watch stuff on demand with yeah. we all huddled around one computer like it was a, a freaking fireplace or something and we watched it and then everybody's like run it again yeah and then run it again oh man you know what that that one computer it was the 1998 version of a water cooler everybody was around it right. and you were like you had these cheap little plastic speakers you had that thing cranked so that yeah, and, the, and your 16 inch yeah uh, <laughs> your CRT monitor yeah, exactly and you're all burning your face off standing right next to it to see a one or two inch wide screen yeah. you couldn't blow it up full screen you know the the well, I know we're talking about the trailers but the movie poster for episode one was the the one trailer that got me that like I, I would love this poster. Yeah. 
Christmas right around the corner, guys. <laughs> um, it's a it's little Annie with his backpack yep. on and the sh- with the shadow of Vader going up, stretched out behind him and up against the hut. The Tatooine, yeah, Luke's. Yeah. I just that's yeah. a badass poster. And there's there's that. actually a shot in Attack of the Clones, and I didn't notice it until a, a couple of years after it came out, where they do a pan from Anakin and Amidala on Tatooine, and their shadows. He actually is casting a Darth Vader shadow. Yeah. You're kidding? Yeah. No. Oh, no, I gotta go. I gotta go see that. Really? That's yeah. what I'm saying. There's there's a lot of incredible craft cool. in those those prequels, even though there's not great storytelling. The, there's the, so much craft. It's it, incredible. It's like they focused on all those little foreshadowing, those really cool moments, but didn't yeah. build enough story around them. That's what still gets me to this day. They're fantastically put together films. Yeah. Just lacking so. Well, much. I don't want to get on a prequel rant, but there's no, no. so much story packed into a two-hour movie, and each one of those segments, especially yeah. Episode Three. But yeah, let's not go there. But no, no, I, 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 I remember liking the movie, not loving the movie, but the trailer, it, you, the expectations were so high after that trailer yeah. that it's like this is going to be better than anything I've ever seen. Certainly better than any of the original three crappy Star Wars movies. And mm-hmm. then it's sort of like you know a little bit flat. Kind of walked out of the theater going, okay, it was good, but not as great as I thought. But that trailer, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. And see, that's the thing. I remember that trailer for The Phantom Menace because it was such a pure re-exposure to Star Wars and something new. And I will also always remember being in the theater for Episode Seven, and when that title crawl first mm. started. Because I, mm. I wanted to take a quick picture of the screen. And I got so caught up in the moment, I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't, because I still get, watching Episode 7 on disc, I still get a little chill every time that title crawl comes up and Luke Skywalker has disappeared, comes into view. You know, and that's a great point, Dave. Uh, You know, Nico and Nico's generation, I think it would help us to put a little bit of context to this, and that is that in 98, 98, right? Yeah. 98, we had been starved of Star Wars yeah. for basically 16 years, the dark ages of yeah. Star Wars. We were just uh, scratching for any little bit of Star That was the time in my life where I would see a shadow that sort of looked like the Millennium Falcon. I'd be like, you know, fixated on it. I would yeah. like, or I'd see like an outline of Vader's helmet somewhere. It's not like today you see it everywhere. You could be in the dairy section at Ralph's and there's Star Wars t-shirts behind you. You know, back then it was just like, you're just, anything you're just starved for star wars and then this beautiful trailer hits and it was like nirvana oh yeah it was incredible well let's back this up can can we just focus on this for just a couple more Go. minutes cuz there there's more to it than just this if you were that fan and and nico's generation didn't get this as much and i'm not picking on you nico i'm just pointing no, out a fact facts here. are facts um so yeah whatever fuck you yeah i know <laughs> uh, i missed him i missed him so much that was his exact action as a seven-year-old to watching the trailer too <laughs> uh, fuck you dad <laughs> but if you would back this up as all of us that went through 77 80 and 83 uh, were starved for so long. The first hint of that for us was back it up two and a half years prior to that. You got the first trailer for the re-release, even though we know what happened with the special editions coming out, and there was a big build-up hype to that. Mm. That was only released in two theaters across the nation: L.A. You had to drive out to Westwood, 
And then you, there were people in New York that were getting that same thing. You had to go watch a special broad or a special showing of Independence Day. And when you did, you got what Lucasfilm does the best, and that's markets the shit out of these things mm. and gets us like in tears, goosebumps, hair on end. And that trailer for the re-release is one of the most spectacular trailers I've ever seen. Hmm. You get that little time. I didn't see it in L.A. I saw it somewhere in Orange County. Right. You probably didn't see it that first week, though. There was. Oh, a, okay. Yeah, there, I'm, I'm sorry. I misunderstood, I misunderstood you. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, so, so sorry. That, that first, yeah, you, no, you didn't see the super secret rollout, Greg. <laughs> you did. You really, seriously, it was in the Jesus. LA Times. They're like, be here at this time at the 10 o'clock showing, and you will see something so spectacular. And we all drove out to that, and you saw that little TV screen pop up on the big movie screen. Yeah. And I have never in my life, ever, since this time, I still haven't seen this, a trailer got a standing ovation. Fucking Scott Avansky, the only guy I know who'll drive out to a theater, to a, to a dark theater, to have somebody <laughs> show him something that he doesn't know what it's going to be. <laughs> you know it, buddy. Yeah, you can, you can do that just here in Orange County, I'm pretty sure. I was going to say that happens <laughs> in West Hollywood all the time. really special? Come to this dark theater at 10 o'clock at night. I'll be there, Greg, and I'll bring the porg. Um... No, it was. It was one of those just magical moments. And, of course, we stuck around to see Independence Day, but it yeah. was amazing. It, and that, that catch line is just what they did with the, the uh, Phantom Menace is you've been so hungry and starved for this this franchise, which you've loved and watched over and over again, saw it on the original screen, saw it on VHS, and that was their point. If you've never seen it on the big screen, you get this little tiny TV set, and it shows the little TIE fighter battle. And you get this kind of mono effect. And then, boom, that X-Wing comes flying out of the screen, goes full widescreen, and it's like reliving that moment. They capture that same feeling with the Phantom Menace in that trailer. And it's still it, – go watch it right now. You can go get it off anywhere off YouTube, Lucas. You want, me, you want to stop the show right now? <laughs> I'll stop the show right now. Okay. And right, we'll go. Let's do All that. right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Oh my god, it was yeah. so great. I'm in tears. That was fantastic. Oh, wow. That was the best trailer I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, it's called recycling anyway. humor, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh guys, two more stories really quick. Both of them are kind of huge. We got to hit on both of these really quick. We would be remiss if we didn't mention <laughs> the Star Wars Holiday Special aired only one time. <laughs> as, as Scott shows us uh but oh Oh, are we going to do Scott's Collecting Corner? Uh, yeah. All right, let's do it at the end. Right. we got to hit these. S- this, the holiday special aired 40 years ago this week. It only aired on television once. It made its mark. Yeah, that was, was enough. But it was 40 years ago this week. This article in LA Times that uh, friends of ours from Skywalking Through Neverland podcast are quoted in this article. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, they got a little, uh, a couple of quotes here, and this is uh, the title of the article: "Is the Star Wars Holiday Special aired only once? Forty years later, it's still weird." So go find <laughs> this on latimes.com. Great article about the holiday special came out this I, week. Wow. I know we've had a couple of episodes dedicated to bashing it, but it really is just the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It is. It is. It is. It is. There's so much weirdness there. Somebody. So, oh, go ahead. I, yeah. go no, ahead. I, I got to throw this out because I, I posted this into our chat thread, but 
I really want to go see this at a local Los Angeles theater. They are doing a one-month showing of a an original play called Special. And uh, in 1978, movie brats and network execs joined forces to create the Star Wars Holiday Special, a costly, disastrous variety show that aired on CBS exactly once. George Lucas wanted to smash every copy of the special with a hammer, but thanks to bootlegs and the Internet, it went on to become a cult classic. And Special is the jaw-dropping, truish story of how a smash hit space opera became the worst TV show in the galaxy. Yeah. yeah. And I looked at the prices for that show. It's uh, There's several shows between now and the end of the year. Ten bucks. I'm there. Ten to thirty-five Ooh, bucks. I'm going. I, I will go. If I'm you going. Want. Let's do this. Are, Are you road kidding trip? I, I think we need to make a field trip. Dude, I, I really have, do. I would spend every month at the Shrine Auditorium for their little comic book convention to finally find a bootleg copy of that damn thing yeah. and it is I'm I'm there oh, here's another image for you Scott yeah. just to show a little uh, <laughs> is little that the Wookiee Wookie porn little itchy yeah that's Wookiee uh, about oh. to have some Wookiee porn there oh. they, they make the Carroll. point that they they ran out of money doing it and in the last shot where there are multiple Wookiees it's literally just a bunch of people wearing Chewbacca masks from a store uh. <laughs> that's fantastic I love it. I just recently on a thread, another friend who doesn't, I mean, kind of knows that we do this and I've tried to get him to listen to our podcast. Yeah. Posted about that. He's like, oh, I can't believe this was a thing. And I wrote on there. I'm like, it wasn't just a thing. And I put a laundry list of the weird shit that's in there. And he oh. wrote back to me. And he's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, so you've never seen this. You oh, need yeah. to see this. And I wrote on there. It has a first for Star Wars history with Wookiee porn and Diane Carroll. It has Jefferson Starship in a freaky hologram rock concert moment. B. Arthur singing about the bar. It has uh, Art Carney, Harvey Corman. Uh, Harvey Corman dressed in drag, in drag. as an alien yes. Julia Child. <laughs> oh, my God. You got Diane Carroll. Uh, showed up for uh, some uh, virtual oral yeah. with, uh, oh. <laughs> with a Wookiee. Uh, oh, that's the other part I said. What does she say? Can you feel my... Yeah, there is that. Well, and I and Do I wrote, you my creation. Yes. And then I, I put on there. I go, and there are ten solid minutes of Wookie dialogue. We timed it with no subtitles and no human interaction to let you know what they're talking to about. To start the thing. To start the it. First oh, ten minutes. <laughs> it's in, it's incredible. You are forgetting the most important part. Oh, oh. Let me let me With guess. Anthony Daniels as C three PO. Yes. God. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, and then I finished it off. He's like, and I go, and there's something else. Oh, and Carrie Fisher coked out of her mind oh, yeah. singing the Wookiee Life Day theme song. And you got song. Luke with more makeup on oh. than Carrie Fisher. Oh. I mean, it is. It is. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say it was Luke. It was Mark Hamill with Carrie Fisher's makeup designer it's, that week. <laughs> yeah. And if if you ever want to see Harrison Ford looking like. What the fuck am I doing here? Just find a tape of the holiday special because he's yeah. pretty much exuding that through every pore in his body and every time he's on camera. Talk about the ultimate. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Harrison that, that Ford has it. never been more Harrison Ford than in that in that show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know he was getting some uh, action there with Carrie at that moment in their life. I, oh, they were. You know what? That's why he did that they show. Were tapping you know? it. Yeah. Yes. You know, sure. I saw I saw a picture of them taken on set filming the star wars holiday special yeah and it just the the looks on both of their faces i remember even showing it to christine i'm like well clearly their tryst was over at this point <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we got one final story to cover tonight guys and that is from sci-fi.com king of the internet mark hamill Uh-oh. as we have uh, glossed him 
And National Treasure. And National Treasure, Mark Hamill. Thank you. Uh, Mark Hamill recalls his pitch to have his mother turn out to be Boba Fett in Return of the Jedi. That's right. Uh, Mark (laughs) Hamill pitched this to to George Lucas himself. Uh, The reveal that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father near the end. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, near the end of near the end of the Empire Strikes Back, is all is one of the all time greatest moments in film history and certainly of the Star Wars trilogy, if if not in cinematic history. Naturally, there were some who thought that to really bring it home for the third installment, Return of the Jedi, they needed an even bigger surprise to blow audiences' minds. And one of those people was the man behind Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill. And recently on Twitter. Hamill responded to a Star Wars pod, the Star Wars podcast Tatooine Sons. Yeah. Another sister show. Good for you, Tatooine Sons. Asking if there was truth behind the rumor that bounty hunter Boba Fett would be revealed as Luke's mother. As it turned out, it was true. Uh, Mark Hamill sig- says uh, he tweeted, I once suggested it to George as the only way we could top Vader being my father. I envisioned her as a double agent working clandestinely for the rebels. Spoiler alert. He didn't like the idea. So I just got to kick out. How, wow, that would have been so cool to have Boba would Fett it? turn out to be a mother, a woman. <laughs> yeah. would, would, it really, would it really have been? Oh, it would have been awesome. <laughs> it would have been fantastic. You know, I, I love Mark Hamill, and I got to think, you know, I, well, I, I don't got to think. I just, I really wonder if that's him being serious or him taking the piss because he does that a lot so yeah i i just i i'm curious and it's funny either way if it's real it's funny if he's just being a being snarky like he normally is that's funny too so i don't i don't have i don't be i don't judge one way or the other i just really wonder if that's him being mark hamill on twitter again well if it is he puts that seed he plants the seed in everyone's head now because now i'm starting to actually think what if she was what if boba fett was in the moment where Instead of it's a him, it's her screaming, falling into the Sarlacc pit. The helmet falls off as, right. <laughs> as she's rolling in, scre- screaming, "I am your mother." I just have, I just, I just have this image of Vader and and Boba Fett just macking out in the hallway at Cloud City. You what know? is it with you and the sex, <laughs> man? Know. The porn. I don't know. And you know what it would sound like? It would sound. Like that. That's what it would sound like. Oh my god. Alright, let's get on with this. It's the Star Wars Tweet of the Week. Really? Curious. Because everybody knows that Twitter is a source of endless positivity. You're gravely mistaken. Come to your senses! Well, um, there are a few Twitter accounts that are kind of funny. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Greg, what do you got for us this week? Steve, I am breathing a sigh of relief over here because your story to wrap up the show was my number two choice for Star Wars Tweet of the Week. So I'm glad it was my number two because as you start to read this, I'm like, holy shit, we almost had a major catastrophe on our hands. <laughs> but I went with this one. It's 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 not from a Star Wars source this time, actually, but it does have Star Wars connections, so I need to give it a little setup. Over the yep. past week, um, before last Friday... 
uh, a local radio station, classic rock radio station, 95.5 KLOS, was pimping a large concert announcement, which, spoiler alert, turned out to be uh, the Rolling Stones at the Rose Bowl. And who wants to see a fucking 80-year-old prancing around at the Rose Bowl? Jesus I can't Christ. get no! <laughs> Sorry. Apparently, so, apparently 80,000 fans is the answer to that question. Yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. God. Oh, God. I saw, I saw them in 1989, and they were old then. Jesus Christ. Steel Wheels Tour? Anyway, um, it's the one they played at the Coliseum with Guns N' Roses opening up. I I don't know know what We were at the same show. We've talked about this before. Exactly. So, um, at any rate, as they're they're pimping out, there's going to be a major concert. People are making guesses, and KLOS tweets back this to one of the responders. I shouldn't tell you this, but the major concert announcement on Monday is the first Figure and Dan and the Modal Node show since 1977. Oh, oh my god. Beautiful. Fantastic. That's good stuff there. I was like, oh, just such a deep cut. I loved it so much. So, <laughs> shout out to 95.5. There's some definitely some Star Wars fans over there. Give them a listen if you like to hear, I don't know, fucking the Rolling Stones, I guess. <laughs> that is that is awesome. All right, before we close out the show, I got to hand it over to Scott. Scott, oh. you brought some toys in honor of fa- the Phantom Menace. Yeah, and, trailer. And, what'd you What'd you bring us for Scott's collecting corner that I need to produce an intro for? I you? just thought, yes, I, Scott. Let us all sit here and watch you play with yourself. Woo! Oh, Nico, wow. Nico was building up to that all night. It takes him. He's been silent for like the last hour, I think. He comes back with that. He's been like, fire. he's been furiously writing put downs for Scott. He's got like a whole page. I'm not sure he's listening to anything we're saying. I think he just, just hits the unmute randomly to be like, yeah, fuck you guys. And then just goes back to what he's doing. No, I just, I went into Scott's name and then I IQ him. Wait a minute, Dave. He's been honing that craft for two and a half years. I don't know what you're, it's not like a surprise or anything. Oh my god! Uh, all right, Scott. What'd you What'd you bring us? Let's, oh. let's, show, let's see those figures. Hey, I, in In honor, okay. In I'm, honor, oh, go ahead. This guy right here. In honor of the uh, release of the trailer oh, for the Phantom Menace, uh, there was an onslaught of toys uh, brought out by Kenner Hasbro. Uh, which I think they were a joint company at the time, and Kenner hadn't been completely wiped out. Uh, so I brought in some just some fun things, which uh, you don't see too often anymore. They actually put the action in action toys. I have the uh, deluxe figures of Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Darth Maul with little buttons on their back to make them actually move the lightsabers and have a little uh, duel of the face. actually kind of have them battle a little bit here. Yeah, look, at, see? look at that. See that? So uh, awesome. I brought that in, and then I also brought in uh, the original Naboo Ooh, fighter in one fighter. No, look at that. So there you go. Oh, man. That you is, have that's to, Scott's uh, conveniently holding out of camera range. So Okay, there we go. Thank yeah, you, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is clean. It, it's, like right, it's, it's, it's hardly been played with at all. It's, it's uh, I would say, very good condition. Not Maybe not mint, but close to mint. My God, this yeah. thing is I actually very unlike Scott. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I still have the box. I pulled it out of the box and reassembled it for the and show tonight. You got the, and you got the little Anakin figure that goes in it. Yeah. So, okay. I just Good go ahead, Nico. You, Nico, do you please. have what? any of the um, yeah. working, the little voice module chips and the little, like, uh, what is it, the communicator base yep. thing that plays the lines from the movies? I have them all. You do? I do. Oh my god. What yeah. are those I used called? to have. I probably had like 
30 of them yeah. on a little chain. Yep. I think I think they're still here at the house, Nico. I'm pretty sure they're still here. I think you just got to put batteries in that thing. It would probably still work. Yeah, so what Nico's talking about is uh, for the initial release, there's the communicator that Qui-Gon uses in the film. There's a, a full-size version of that. You put the Norelco women shaver. Yeah, the the women shaver. You put these little chip bases, which the figures can stand on, on top of it, and it'll play it. quotes, which was fantastic at the time. It was it was a poorly designed product, but the quotes, like half of them, didn't even show up in the film. So it was dialogue that was from like a draft one of the script. Mm. So you got stuff that was never in the film. The reason I switched to doing some of these episode ones is obviously in tribute to the uh, trailer being released. Uh, and I just like the fact that there were some actual fun action toys at the oh, time. This is so cool. How do you? So this makes yeah. There's noise. two buttons on the back the, uh, here. Okay, yeah. let me see if I can. Can you see that? Okay, that's it. Like that. That's that is cool. I have some that's different cool things lined up for future shows. I wanted to just focus on episode one. Awesome. Just have a little bit of fun with that. Thanks for bringing those um, over, dude. That's those are super cool. Yeah. You know, there is nothing that pissed me off more than opening up Nico's toys when he was getting all these when he was of that age and having them do all these cool, cool ass sound effects and remembering back to my toys that I opened up that made that sound that Nico's making right now. (laughs) Yeah, so I have like my prized possession toy is a 1977 Star Wars Han Solo blaster. Yeah, it's black. You can't buy them anymore. And when it used to work, the sound, you know, the new ones are like, you know, they sound like a blaster. This is like, (laughs) it sounded like a pencil sharpener was in there. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Please, please keep making that noise, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what what I did find funny, I'm glad that Nico brought up those chips. They were, it was just a horrible design thing. Uh, It was kind of a cool concept. But it yeah. didn't come across very well. The sound didn't always come uh, come out very clear. They went. What what shocks me is they're still making action figures. They're making them with those very similar chips now, but they're built into the figures. Right. So you have to have some special device and stuff. These figures actually had lightsaber hilts that would attach to the backs, like their waist, mm-hmm. and you press the button to ignite the saber, okay. and it would push the button to make the sabers on the figures move. Very so you cool. could hold them in different positions with these sabers. It was a fantastic, gotcha. fun toy design. Awesome, awesome. Like some wars lightsaber fights. <laughs> Thanks for bringing those over, dude. Yeah. Awesome. All right, let's close this up. <laughs> <laughs> Have we talked at all about Pedro Pascal being in that family I don't think so. About what? Say that again, Greg. Pedro Pascal is has been cast as the titular Mandalorian in the Mandalorian TV show. Oh, no, I did not even. Cool. Okay. And also announced to the cast is uh, Gina Carano, the proto Ronda Rousey. Ooh, wow. Okay. Last scene nice. in the first Deadpool movie too, I believe. Oh right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Where That's are you awesome. getting this info from? I haven't I haven't seen this huh. stuff yet. I'm making it up. No, nice. Right. Well, if you've ever met the titular Ronda Rousey, give us a call on the Wretched Hive hotline and let us know how that went. Number is 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. That's H-I-V-E in case you can't spell Hive. Got uh, it right. 
you can uh, look us up on the internet at thewretchedhive.net. We're going to be uh, updating our website soon, but right now all of our show notes and uh, there's a little uh, thread there that you can get the latest and greatest stories from theforce.net and from starwars.com. Go to thewretchedhive.net. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Wretched Hive Podcast. By the way, intern Callista is going to be taking over our Facebook and Twitter feed for the next few months. Sweet. Shut up, Wesley. So we're going to be able to send her material that she's going to post for us. So that's going to be wonderful. Thanks ahead. Thanks. uh, Thanks very much ahead of time, Callista, for that. Uh, You can email the show at show at wretchedhive.net. Find us on Twitter at wretchedhivepod. Make sure you look us up on Google Podcasts or Stitcher if you have an Android phone. The best way to listen to the show if you have an iPhone is through Apple Podcasts. And be sure to leave a review of the show and uh, subscribe to the show. We sure would appreciate it very, very much. Guys, episode... Oh, shoot. What number are we? Episode 75 is in the books. Final thoughts. Diamond. 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 Diamond anniversary, guys. Wow. All right. Well, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Excelsior. Have a great couple of weeks, people. We will talk to you then until we talk to you again. May the Force be with us all. Meh. <laughs> have, have fun storming the castle. Meh. <laughs>